On tonight's episode, we discuss rings. The movie, not the things. <laughs> and we're in Los Angeles. And there's no change to the original lineup, dude. <laughs> All right, let's start the actual podcast. Works nicely. Beautiful Ma- intro. Michelangelo the Ninja Turtle has long been a member of the, member of the guys. <laughs> okay, let's start it up. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Flop House. I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Elliot Kalen. And I'm Jordan Morris. Sorry, I was still doing my Stuart impression <laughs> in the first <laughs> syllable of that. I'm Jordan Morris, filling in for Stuart Wellington. Hi. And we are live at the Regent Theater in Los Angeles, California, USA. Uh, Now, we've already explained to the the live audience, but we should explain to the people at home that Stuart could not be here for this live show. Stuart, unfortunately, is lame. (laughs) Yeah, well, literally. I mean, literally, he cannot walk. In the literal sense of lame. I shouldn't have. That's not a word I should have used. That's not good. Uh, Stuart hurt his back. Uh, yeah. Through some combination of having a week back mm-hmm. uh, and playing eight hours straight of board games, <laughs> he somehow hurt his back and he could not be here with us tonight. But we have filling in the ever capable, ever also a white guy with brown hair, Jordan Morris. <laughs> now, uh, you're a listener of the podcast, right? Yes, uh, I'm a fan, so I feel like I've won a contest or something. It's, it's like. It's like a real-life Judas Priest story right up here yeah. on stage. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I actually... Um, I was Can you explain to... that reference? Or... For a while, Judas Priest was led by a frontman who had previously been the frontman of a Judas Priest tribute band. All right. Carry on, Jordan. They made, I, I believe, I was... two, ep- uh, two albums together. Not their best. There's a few okay songs on there. And then it was primed for the glorious return of the man himself, Rob Halford. Oh, yeah. Let's listen to another one of Rob Halford's great hits. Play it. <laughs> We're supposed to play, uh, you got another thing coming. Okay. <laughs> Did not have the rights to that. Did okay. not clear that. You got to clear these bits with me beforehand. <laughs> yeah, I just, I thought you had a magic music machine. Mm-hmm. Which would be a great kids show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is this going to affect my interpretive dance to Hey Jude? This is going to be in the second <laughs> act. Uh, yeah, so, you know, speedy recovery to Stuart, uh, both... For his benefit. Yeah, we wanted to feel and better. And for the listeners. Yeah, because they want to hear him too. Yeah. But uh, tonight, it's the scariest time of the year. Tax season. Am I right, everybody? Oh, boy, Ellie. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Uh. All right. Guys, let's wrap. Let's be honest about a few things. The government is taking things from us that belong to us. And it's time for us to stand up. Hey, everybody. I want to talk about an organization that's gotten kind of a bad rap in the news these days. It's called People Who Hate Other People for America. <laughs> now, hatred's, hatred's gotten a bad rap. But you know what comes out of hatred? What comes out of hatred, Dan? Give me a positive thing that I can spin. What comes out of hatred? Yeah. <laughs> you know uh, what comes out of hatred? The song You're So Vain. Everybody loves it. 
Thank you. I'll sit down now. So, Dan, uh, what do we do on this podcast? Oh, this is a podcast where we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. To return to my original thought, though, <laughs> this is the time of year where we watch scary movies. Oh, yeah. It's, it's Shocktober. Yeah. And so tonight we watched a movie that was uh, terrifying in its derivativeness. <laughs> Rings, the third sequel. Well, the second sequel, the third movie in The Rings. Nice catch. I was going to jump all over you for that. <laughs> if anything, like, Elliot, you've taught me to be a better man. Oh. By being consistently mean to me. <laughs> yep. So I'm worried about whether you're going to attack me. I'm like your own private Marines drill sergeant. Yeah. Uh, now, Rings, let's just get one thing off the bat. We're not talking about the Lord of the Rings movies. That's different Rings movies. And we're not, saying to, not talking about Say Yes to the Ring, a, a wedding show that doesn't exist. <laughs> Are we talking about what's on the base of my penis right now? <laughs> Dan, Dan, can I talk to you about our substitute co-host? <laughs> let's, uh, let's wrap a little. Yeah. He's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> He's doing a great job. He's doing a fantastic job. But don't... Don't tell Stuart. Don't, don't let him know that and don't let Stuart know okay. that. Okay. Because I'm going to tear him down so I can build him up. All right. Now, we're talking about rings, which is, what, the third in the ring? Mo- it's the third in the ring cycle. Wagner's classic works. <laughs> telling the story of the ring of the Nibelungen. Only, only And the downfall a- of the Norse gods. Only at a live podcast do you get an applause break for a Wagner joke. <laughs> a live podcast or the Metropolitan Opera? <laughs> I think that if you had a Wagner joke at the Metropolitan <laughs> Opera, the reaction you would get is, shh. Very fair point. That's a good point. Only uh, one way to find out. To the opera, gentlemen. <laughs> no one's ever done a comedy set at the opera. We'll be breaking new ground. Uh, After that, can we go to the races? Spend a whole day there, and then we'll have a monkey business. And then, <laughs> and then we'll go to the circus where things will not be quite as funny because the circus is already a crazy place. <laughs> yeah. So to unleash yeah. crazy people there is Less not a weird thing. Natural sure. juxtaposition is not one yeah. that yeah. creates a lot of comedy. Um, but let's talk about rings. Okay, so we're all familiar with the main deal of the ring movies. There's a creepy videotape. You watch it, and you're like, this is creepy. This is like a Nine Inch Nails video. And then seven, you get a phone call. Ring, ring, hello, and a voice says, seven days. Now, that means you have seven days left to live, but it could mean anything. (laughs) The voice provides very little context. It's up to you to figure out what's going on. Uh, So that's that's the, then they made two other movies. It's a, what, originally, what, uh, where was that movie from originally? Uh, The The original one, yeah. It's a Japanese movie. And then where did the other ones come from? Gore Verbinski. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Very true. Uh, so this is in the Gore Verbinski series. And uh, should we just jump into the plot? Let's of jump movie? into the plot of Ring. The movie starts in the most hilarious way possible. We're on a very turbulent plane. And this guy is really nervous. And this girl across the aisle is like, hey, what's wrong? It's okay. And he goes, he literally says, you ever hear about this videotape that kills you when you watch it? <laughs> it's like, this movie is wasting no time. Allow me to exposition. <laughs> he then tells her about it and gets a nosebleed. He runs to the bathroom and her friend shows up and says, what was that all about? And then she tells her friend, there's this video that kills you when you watch it. Also, why isn't she sitting next to her friend? I mean, I assume her friend either went to the bathroom or it's like one of those musical chairs planes where everyone keeps moving around. Oh yeah, musical chair air. (laughs) Yeah, musical chair air. You don't need a seat number. (laughs) Oh, so it's uh, 
spirit. Yeah, or Southwest, or yeah. Uh, then, uh, and then the girl is like, her friend is like, wait, he said what? Both of them have seen this ring video. Suddenly, he's, it's all bumpy and, bumpy and turbulency, the ring video, which again is a bunch of crazy, surreal scenes, black and white, grainy, what? that end with a, with a creepy girl coming out of a well. And the ring video uh, starts appearing on people's seat back. On yeah. the radar screens, the cockpit, on people's seat back. Everybody's just screens. thinking to themselves, is this the weirdest episode of the Big Bang Theory <laughs> <Yeah>. ever? <laughs> They're like, oh, I clicked on the Virgin in-flight uh, like the special stuff that they just make for the plane. <laughs> I wanted to find out how they clean the plane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't need to see a creepy centipede crawling under a table. <laughs> but it also, I like to believe that a thing came up that said, the following movie has been modified for your screen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then starts playing they through. Have three, they have three categories in version. They have, they have uh, new releases, they have music, and then they have omens. Yeah. <laughs> If you accidentally select Omen. Don't select that by accident. Because then, like, someone behind you catches a glimpse of it. Now they're going to die in seven days. No. Uh, there's sludge and bugs suddenly everywhere in the plane. Hey, and- it kind of sounds like Spirit Airlines, huh? <laughs> I mean, we kind of did a Spirit Just Airlines joke, but... Piggybacking off Dad's right. Spirit Air joke that was very popular. This is the Spirit House. <laughs> All talking about Spirit Airlines. Oh, uh... A ghost on the plane, more like spirit. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I gave, I gave Jordan for the listeners at home. I gave Jordan a sly. Come on, look, <laughs> like, come on, wise guy. Let's knock it off. We got a show to do. Um, and then, star of the ring movies, Samara, the ring girl herself, climbs out of the screen, and suddenly your screen at home or in the movies goes to static. And then, everyone's. Ever since the Bratz movie, everyone's favorite group of words that can come up on screen two years later. Mm. Oh, it's so sweet. Two years later. Which, which why it doesn't really two need years to be later? Two years later. It doesn't play into the, like, it could literally have just been like a week later. Yeah. And everything would have been exactly the same. Two years is the perfect time because it's long enough for everybody to forget that a plane crashed because of crazy ghost girls. Oh. And it's not so long that you're like, this tape would have deteriorated by now. Uh, yeah, and I guess, I guess that, that brings me to one of my first pieces of confusion about the movie. Lay it on Is us. that, I know I have not, this was the first Ring movie I have ever seen. Um, and it seems like you can it die. There was an audible gasp in the crowd. <laughs> Sorry, Ring heads. <laughs> they're called um, Ringos. They're <laughs> they call themselves stars or Ringos. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it seems like you can die two ways in this movie. You can get ringed or you can get final destinationed. It's well we'll get to that. This movie at a certain point Samara must have seen one of the final destination movies yeah. or all of them. Yeah. And yeah, she's like they look like they're having fun. It would save me a lot of well crawling out of time if I yeah. could just arrange for crazy accidents to kill people. <laughs> uh, the limits of her power are pretty blurry in this movie, uh, and they only get blurrier. Two years later, it's a flea market of some kind, and this kind of punkish girl is looking at a VCR, and she seems to meet Johnny Galecki, but it's later established that they've known e- they already know each other, but their conversation appears to be two people who have never met before. Uh, he's a collector. He loves old vintage VHS stuff, and he mentions, I heard all this VHS stuff came from the family of a guy who died in a plane crash, because this movie, it, if, here's what I learned from this movie, People love telling each other urban legends all the time. If you know an, an urban legend about anything, anyone's going to want to hear it. Bystanders, <laughs> your mom, I don't know. An interesting thing about the flea market is they're panning across the stuff, the VCR, and they show 
VHS tapes of both Jurassic Park and Alien. And I think that breaks a cardinal rule of filmmaking is don't remind people of good movies in your shitty movies. A lot of times when they do that in movies, it's like, this is a little bit of a challenge. We're going to beat these movies at their own game. But yeah, all I could think about from that point, I was like, oh, I wish I was watching Alien. Yeah. They should just show you, like, Sharknado and Demolition Man. It's like, eh, it could be worse, right? Uh, Demolition Man holds up pretty well. <laughs> Thank you. We got some headheads out here. That's what Demolition Man yeah. fans call themselves. We got some sheet seashell wipers yeah, in the crowd. Some, some fans of the least motivated nude scene ever. Oh, you mean when someone literally cold calls Sylvester Stallone nude and then goes, oh, wrong number, and then <laughs> <Yeah>. goes away? <laughs> oh, it's like, it's so funny. And then he, he has a look on his face like, huh? Like, mm. oh, I don't even know that was going to happen yeah, in my the movie. The future's not so bad, huh? <laughs> I guess if people still have nude bodies under their clothes in the future. <laughs> I thought you were all going to be a bunch of robo people. <laughs> Time to eat some Taco Bell and get this seashell out of my ass. <laughs> if you've seen Demolition Man, it all makes sense. Uh, so, Johnny Galecki is a collector. Later, back at his apartment with this woman that, until the moment you see her in his apartment, you thought was a stranger. Uh, he go, he's, she leaves and he watches the tape. Classic. Gets the phone call. Says seven days. He goes, who is this? A CGI fly emerges from his joint. Not his elbow joint, like he's smoking a joint. And uh, rain starts falling upward. Uh-oh. Rings. Title <laughs> sequence. Now we cut to the next storyline because for a little bit, it's a little hard to tell who's the main character of this movie. Yeah. It's not the guy who died on the plane, I think. <laughs> I thought it was Johnny Galecki, but then he disappears for a while. Maybe it's this girl, Julia, who's with her boyfriend who proceeds to tell her the story of Orpheus for no reason, but he's got One that. of the original urban legends. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, I'd love to be a mythology professor and be like, you know, in a way, Greek myths were the original urban legends. Yeah. <laughs> in that Athens was a city-state. <laughs> <laughs> and a legend is meant to explain a thing as our myths. Hey, everybody, turn my chair around. Let's uh, talk about how Greek myths relate to our life. Now, for instance, one time I pissed off a god and he made it so everything I touched turned to gold. <laughs> So then uh, Zeus turns into a swan and says, you up? <laughs> That's I'm going to swipe right on that bull. Good way to explain the Lita story, yeah. Okay, uh, now I should mention, this is something that bothers me in movies that her boyfriend has, which is, this is the thing you see in a lot of movies, where a really attractive guy has one of those, like, everyman, New York, Boston accents that's supposed to make you feel like, ah, oh, he's just a regular guy, even though he's got, like, a 13-pack uh, and very strong eyebrows. Yeah. But uh, he's like, he's like, yeah, she's, he goes all the way down to hell just to get his girl. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah, and it's like, stop it, come on. Like, you gotta you... make Greek myths relatable. I just don't like it. It's like, uh, it's like uh, an Anakin Skywalker as a grown-up voice, where it's like, uh, hey, you're just gonna make this guy down to earth. We'll make it sound like he's from the Northeast. Uh, but anyway... Uh, I like that you're making fun of that voice and not the fact that the main woman character is clearly foreign, but doing like a, like a, an inexplicable accent through yeah, the entire thing. Yeah, she is, right, yeah, she definitely, uh, I, I had to look up her country of origin, because yeah. I was like, I, I swear I was hearing some aboots. Yeah, no, I thought <laughs> yeah. it was Canadian, but it was... Uh, she's Italian, it yeah. turns out, and yeah, like it's, she hides it pretty well, but she'll she be like... She hides it in that you don't know she's Italian, but you know she's not American. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, we've got to get out of here. Mamma Mia! Yeah, that's and I'm like, oh, it's a Italian. few Mamma Mia's escape out. Yeah, yeah. 
at one point she's like, she's like, we got us, we've got to, we've got to set the spirit free, manja, manja. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She's just walking around humming. (laughs) (laughs) That's from our Italian American, uh, Italian stereotype show, Three Slurs in a Fountain. (laughs) 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 Sylvester Uh, Stallone is walking out. (laughs) Yeah. I can handle the demolition man shit, but this. Only one person does Sylvester Stallone around here. (laughs) Whoa. Okay. All right. Hey guys, I uh, oh but I, I just happened to be, and I couldn't help but hear you were talking about my movie Demolition Man. <laughs> you are gonna hate my letters song. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I should let you guys talk about rings, and <laughs> uh, maybe later we can talk about Copland. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was really supposed to be your uh, your serious acting debut. What did it? What uh, yeah, serious acting debut. Uh, Dan, I starred in a movie that won Best Picture. <laughs> It's called Rocky. I'm sorry, I'm not familiar with that work. Uh, well, we made like eight of them. It's about a guy who... Uh... He's a flying squirrel, yeah. Okay. And he's living in Philadelphia, and he's like, why am I running up these stairs? I could be flying up, because I'm a flying squirrel. But here's what you don't know, Dan, and it comes out in the movie. Flying squirrels don't actually fly. No. They're, they just glide on gliding. flaps of skin. Yeah. There's only one mammal that can actually fly. I'm sure you know what it is. Uh, I don't actually. Here's a hint. There's a superhero based on one of them. <laughs> We're just going to sit in silence and it's going to be great audio. Great audio for a podcast. Well, I was going to say a joke animal, but it's a bat, Dan. I'm just disappointed you didn't know a bat's fly. <laughs> Mammals. There's a Batman character. <laughs> Again, I was going to I was going to say something silly, but I was so stupefied. <laughs> By your inability to remember that bats exist. <laughs> so, okay, moving back on to rings, Elliot, take over. I'm gonna go now. Jetpack. Okay. Maybe you're more of a Booster Gold fan over here. <laughs> I guess you were too busy thinking about, uh, yeah, I don't know, like uh, Dark Hawk or somebody. Yeah. I was thinking of Speedball. <laughs> Not even an animal. Uh, so, okay. He's, he, uh, now, this girl, Julia, her boyfriend, who we learn later is named Holt, uh, because I guess he's a cowboy or a gun, I don't know. Uh, he's... Right, it's like they were running through names, they're like, okay, we could call him Chunk or Punch or... <laughs> Let's call him a Holt. Yeah, Let's Holt. Let's call him something that could maybe pass as a last name. Yeah. But we've never heard as a first name. Uh, he's going to college. She says something, he says something that it's good of you to stay behind and take care of your mom. We never find out what that means. Oh, yeah. Her mom never appears, and when she thinks her boyfriend is in trouble, she gets in a car, drive away. Clearly. Yeah, it's pretty, they have a pretty tearful goodbye when, but when shit hits the fan, she just drives up there. It's not that far away, and he gives her his shirt oh, to you remember know him by from his smell. You know what? something spooky uh, is, he says, I'll see you on Columbus Day. First of all, it's spooky that she doesn't call it Indigenous Peoples Day. <laughs> Very good point. Thank you. Very good point. Thank you. Lock her up. <laughs> wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. I got whiplash from that. <laughs> but it's, so it, I thought you were so, going one way. Hold then. on. So you're like a social justice Bernie bro? Is it? <laughs> oh, I'm just on drugs, Elliot. <laughs> anyway, um, six weeks later. Let's, but, we oh, got to get to... Okay, say it. Then we got to get to the Columbus clock. Day, what's the tomorrow... On the eve of this podcast recording, Columbus Day. Ooh. Tomorrow on the eve of this podcast (laughs) recording? Yeah. Yeah, get him, Elliot. Get him. (laughs) Eve. 
Yeah, fuck no, me up, fuck me up. Jordan, Eve usually refers to the night before something happens. Yeah, the night right. after something happens is referred to as HBO's The Night After. <laughs> oh, no, wait, it's called The Night Of. I don't know, whatever. It's called Boxing Day. Yeah. The Night <laughs> After is when uh, Chris Hardwick talks about The Night <laughs> Of. <laughs> <laughs> he does every show. Yeah. Every show. Yeah, we got to get through this uh, thing, man. Sorry. Yeah, we're like halfway through our allotted time for it, and we're in like a tenth of the way into the movie. <laughs> Six weeks later, video chat. We learn he's taking experimental biology. I do not believe it. And... Uh, <laughs> Their call is interrupted by his strangely multi-ethnic bros, like they're like a, a gang from an 80s movie. They hustle him away to have some fun. She's woken up that night by a dream that he's returned to have sensual relations with her, but suddenly there's too many hands everywhere, and one of them is a scary ghost hand. It's just a dream. She gets a Skype call from a frantic girl named Skye, who's saying... Uh, he's a dead man. There's no stopping her. Find him. Julia is like, what? She drives off, leaving voicemail after voicemail for Holt. Holt, who it, it is, it's got a, it's, at this point it's established he's not a character who lives in real life. His name is Holt. He has that accent. And his voicemail outgoing message is, this is Holt. You know what to do. Which, nobody does that. Come on. <laughs> People go through the motions of saying, leave a message, or I'm not here, or something like that. Uh, Holt's dorm is unlocked. And she finds phones with texts from Sky on it. But then the battery dies. She is... Her interest is piqued by perhaps the least interesting-looking bulletin board in the history of bulletin boards. It does have an Afghan wigs poster on it, I (laughs) noticed. Maybe that's what throws her off. She's like, he's not a fan of the Afghan wigs. (laughs) uh, But she does find a key on it. Uh Uh-oh. Enter, return to the movie, Johnny Galecki, in the part of Gabriel, a super cool professor who's given a lecture about how consciousness can affect the material world and the universe is affected by people watching it, but he mentions sex and drinking, so you know yeah. he's a cool pro. This is one of these movie lectures where like, the, the professor just seemed to be talking in like, vague, like, wide-ranging terms, and the class seems to like, last two minutes, and it's like, okay, well, next week, I guess we'll talk about... I don't know, the world. It's very like, very hard not... to understand what the lesson is about and what the class yeah. is. And uh, I have to assume that the final ta- exam is just like, the question is just like, bullshit a little bit. Yeah. And, then... <laughs> and then at the end, after he sends him out, he's like, all right, go get drunk. And yeah, they, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm wondering like how often he can do that. I bet he just has to, because if that's like the first class, I feel like he, in subsequent classes, he'll have to say like, all right, go shoot heroin. Yeah, he's got to heighten it. All right, everybody, go overdose. <laughs> All right, guys, go thrill kill a drifter. <laughs> yeah. And the students are like, there's one nerdy, there's got, I wish there was one nerdy student where he goes, okay, go off and get drunk. And the one nerdy student is like, yeah, is that the assignment, sir? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like we'll, we'll be great, will we be graded on our intoxication? <laughs> Do I have to remain that drunk until we return to class? <laughs> but that, unfortunately, the movie leaves that money on the table. <laughs> Uh, Julia's there and Galecki tells him he doesn't know Holt she should just move on seems suspicious she follows him to a secret floor of a building that needs a special elevator key the key that she got from the yeah, bulletin board because there's is, a key on it this is the moment at which like it really feels like you're playing a video game it's just like use key on elevator <laughs> like it's very the fact that she like picked up a key in the first place is like a, 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 any number of role-playing games where you just come across the things like, well, there's a thing on a desk, got to pick it up, put it in my bag, it's going to come in useful somehow. There's another draft of the movie where she's just trying to shove his Afghan wigs poster into the keyhole. <laughs> it's not working. I Maybe picked I the unusual thing. Should have put his Scissor Sisters poster in here. Uh, 
She finds on the seventh floor a video camera, I don't know why that's there, and uh, an academic paper about Samara written by Galecki's character, Gabriel, which I guess is just left out on a desk in the hallway for someone to read while they're waiting to be let in, I don't know. She walks into their special lab where she sees a wall of photos of victims of Samara, and you know, or people have watched the video, and you know that because their faces are kind of distorted as if the camera doesn't quite work or there's water on the lens or something, where it's through a, you know, a keyhole or something like that. Her, and it's the style of the lab that she's in. It's kind of like a science lab slash the place that they hang out in in Hackers, where there's yeah, like yeah. a lot of like loud music and couches, and everyone's like a little too cool for school. It's, um, yeah, it's like a really sexy AV club. Yeah. It's kind of like the way that in Flatliners in the old one, I haven't seen the new one, because it's not out yet. In the old one, the operating theater that they're all learning in is dimly lit, and there's tapestries on the walls everywhere. I'm sorry, George, when you say really sexy AV club, I, I feel like you're being redundant. <laughs> I, I just, you know, I didn't want that to pass. <laughs> uh, one it's of the, really right. It's like when I said fuckable renaissance fair. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, on the 20% wall- of the audience just went, hey! On the wall of photos, one of them is Holt, and she overhears Skye talking to, Gabe, to uh, Gabriel about Holt. It's like, this is wrong, what we're doing, you promised me a tale, blah, blah, blah. And there's countdown clocks for each of the characters. What does that mean? Uh, then Julia runs into Skye in the parking garage and goes, hey, I'm looking for Holt. They go to Skye's dorm, where Skye's painted a ring design on the ceiling, because it's artsy, you know? Uh, and she, and... Julia manages to text Holt from Skye's phone, and Holt says, don't watch, don't watch. And Julia locks herself in the bedroom as Skye sets the ring video up, playing on her laptop. Uh-oh, or does it play on its own? I don't remember. She, sma- it's, she smashes it, gets a nosebleed, and an alarm goes off. That's the amount of time that was allotted to her by the phone call. And she's not dead yet, and she's like, I won, bitch! That's what she yells, channeling Freddy Krueger for a moment. Uh, but... Even though she unplugs her TV, Samara shows up and uh, scarifies her in such a way that she's frozen into a horrifying rictus that also looks like a pretty funny Halloween set yeah. dress decoration. Yeah. Like you'd find it like an abracadabra store. I, you say that as if that's something I know about. Right. Dan, if, every, if ever anyone... I, I understand the audiences don't know abracadabra stories. Sure. If ever anyone is going to know it, it's you, a guy who loves magic and Halloween decorations and corny stuff uh, like that. Yeah. That's true. And does it maybe have like a sideshow feel about it? Uh, quite, yes. And there's uh, just a wall of costumes of sexy versions of things that are not very sexy. <laughs> Can we go there right now? <laughs> After the show, uh, so Samara comes out and kills her. Dan just, oh, gets, Dan's just hoping they have a sexy meter reader. Yeah, there's a song about it. Rita, meter maid. <laughs> he goes on a date with her. I haven't heard this song. But her sisters are there, so they don't really get that much going on. But there's a lot of heavy breathing in the song at one point. <laughs> so you got to assume that she has a dog that he pets. <laughs> and that's now, just the dog panting. Now, uh, Elliot. This better be about Rita Meter made the song. <laughs> no, no, no. Far be it for me to critique your uh, synopsizing prowess. But uh, you're synopsizing as if we are doing our normal two-hour-long Oh, you're right. Okay. So anyway, (laughs) here's what you need to know. Well, I do want to mention that Julia finds Skye's body sitting in a chair, which means that Samara killed her and then set her up in the chair, which was very nice of her. (laughs) Holt is there, and it turns out, let me just just break it down to you. We don't need to go scene by scene on that. Gabriel is studying the ring phenomenon, and the way he does this is by having his students watch the video, then find somebody that they can show the video to to lift the curse off of them, and that's called a tail. But... 
it's too late for Holt. The, the tale is too, too late. So while he's sleeping, Julia decides to sacrifice herself. And she watches the video, uh-oh, gets the death call, but she starts hallucinating. She's in a creepy dungeon. She goes for a door handle. It burns her hand. It's actually a phone. Uh, there's Braille burned into her hand, we find out later. Yeah. <laughs> that'll, that'll be important later in the second movie that's in this movie. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. It's like, up until now, the movie has had kind of an interesting idea, which is like, let's take the ring and let's see what would happen if some scientists were like trying to scienceify this and like study the ring. Because there like, should be a scientific explanation for how a ghost girl can use a videotape to kill people yeah. in seven days. And I think it's a it's a you know a, a critique on academia, like it getting loose on this college yeah, campus. Yeah, I like, like the- here's some college kids who really need a safe space. What I. What I what I wish is that I wish Lock it was about her up. <laughs> what I wish it was about a technology company that was like Samara is killing people in seven days. We believe we can cut that in half. <laughs> we want to make the ring more efficient, and we want to unlock those efficiencies. A ring subscription will cost three hundred dollars. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, this is the part of the movie where it gets into uh, the second movie, which is basically just a rehash of The Ring. Because, oh, except in that, when Julia sees the video, there's stuff in it that's never been in the video before. It appears Samara is talking directly to her through the video with clues of some kind. And are they going to try to solve those clues? You better believe it, Buster. <laughs> is that, was that my line? Did yes, I you better it believe it, Buster. That's what I've written down right here. <laughs> Uh, so they go off. Johnny Galecki has to stay to talk to the police because I don't think they hired him for enough days to have him go to the rest of the movie, really. Um, and yeah, it goes from the first movie, which is the idea of studying the ring and it's loose on a college campus, to the second movie, which is they're going to go to a small town and investigate the mystery of Samara, the girl from the ring. Now, you may, if you've seen the first movie, The Ring, you're like, they solved that mystery. Yeah. She's a dead girl who got thrown down a well and now her ghost comes out and kills people. Hey, do you ever think about the story of Samara's mom. <laughs> and how is Vincent D'Onofrio involved in all this? <laughs> I hope he does an extravagant performance. In some ways, it's actually pretty dialed it's down. It's a little for restrained for Vincent D'Onofrio. Considering I once saw him in a play, that's right, it's time for Elliot Kalins. All right, Famous it's everyone's theater. favorite podcast within a podcast. Elliot Kalin, theater name dropper. Theater name dropper. So now that you're in LA, your name drops will go from like, oh, I saw this person in a in a play, to I saw this person at a CVS. Can't wait. And they were giving a very hammy performance. I saw I saw Vincent D'Onofrio in a play, and I was in the front row. And there were times when I thought he would jump off the stage and murder me. Because he was so intense. He was, like, stamping the ground and breathing really hard. And I was like, this man has been possessed by a rhinoceros. <laughs> and this is the weirdest production of The Music Man I have ever seen. <laughs> Adam Librarian! <laughs> uh, so they go to this town. Julia's hallucinating things that are related to the video. She hallucinates a pregnant woman. What do you want to bet that's Samara's mom that she's seeing visions of? They go to the church where... It, it, Talk they, about a pregnancy from hell. <laughs> huh? A pregnancy from hell. I get it. Please stop. Please give me my personal space. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is where a the A pregnancy movie... from hell? I'd rather fly on Spirit Airways. <laughs> 
Uh, the listeners at home can't see the tra- coy face that he's making. His traditional I'm a bad little boy face. <laughs> Dan, I also pooped in my pants. <laughs> you're a very bad, very you're, little boy. You're very committed to this character. <laughs> a little stinker. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, was that a lollipop? lollipop? What was that? He was miming something. Anyway. <laughs> Um, they call me the anti-improv. I'm like, what is that you're doing? <laughs> you're uh, crazy. So here's where we start to realize that maybe Julia's not the best crime solver because they're like, we got to find her body so we can burn it and set her free. It takes them a few steps to realize, maybe start at the cemetery. That's where the bodies go. They do manage to find an unmarked crypt, or rather a demarked crypt. The cross was removed. She gets stuck in it. She finds carved into the wall the words, she will find you, Julia. And there's a lot of hallucinations where she's getting pulled into a well. Luckily, they're saved by a man with a dog who takes them to Vincent D'Onofrio, the blind caretaker, who says, oh, so you're looking for the girl. It turns out D'Onofrio saw Samara's visions, too, and was blinded. That would be cool if he, if he was like, I'm blind now, but while I could see, I fought a blind guy, and then it's fucking Daredevil. <laughs> like, would that be so fucking cool? It would, it would be very interesting for the ring to suddenly become part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes, yeah. yes! And then Stanley is like, I don't see what's so bad about this video. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know where, where Actually, along... The way they would do it is he would crawl out of the well first. <laughs> <laughs> Excelsior! Like, oh, it's so dirty down there. Enough said. <laughs> anyway, we'll, we'll move along faster. Okay. okay. Uh, Gabriel comes to try to warn them about something, but in the most final destination thing of all... They're, they're, the road has been blocked. They can't leave town. Nobody seems to notice his overturned car with him in it until Julia just stumbles on it. Oh. Yeah, they have roped off the whole crime scene before they discover the other dead guy. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I, I, I want to make clear, Gabriel is coming because he has discovered that the burn on uh, Julia's hand is Braille. Is Braille. Uh, which you would think would come in uh, to play with the blind man. Like, the blind man would, like, my, touch her hand at some point. My guess was that Samara would have somehow written in Braille the video on there. Yeah. And then when the blind man was like, what's this, Braille? Ah! Uh, centipedes! Uh, ce- it, says, it says, centipede, girl in a well. <laughs> static, static. Woman brushing hair in mirror, static. Girl gets out of well. Oh, no! <laughs> Which, what are the rules of the, of the ring? If you had a flipbook version of the ring, would that work? Like a flipbook version? Yeah, sure, I think so. Of the so. video, I mean, yeah. yeah Not or, of the movie. That would be a long flipbook. Or uh, one of those like, things with like little slits. A zoetrope, you, a zoetrope, yeah. Zoetrope, yeah. yeah. Or just a podcast of Ira Glass explaining all the images <laughs> to you. Uh, tonight in four acts. Creepy stuff. Every, Act one. <laughs> everyone knows that The Ring is a videotape, but what if it wasn't? <laughs> Tonight in four Production from so anyway. our boss, Tori Malatia, who says, nail going into fingernail. <laughs> so this is where he gets Final destination because he's, like, dying, and he's like, I got this thing to tell you, uh-uh, and then a, a, a telephone pole falls down and smashes into the car, and a live wire electrocutes him. And it's like, did Samara do that, or is the infrastructure bad in this town? Yeah. Seems awfully coincidental. And at this point, my notes say, movie really seems to be spinning its wheels. As the characters hang around the bed and breakfast they're staying at for a while, they find themselves watching the video again. Just like, we're already dying, yeah, why not? Bad, bad, wi- bad Wi-Fi in well, the B&B, so you yeah, just gotta they, watch. They, well, yeah. they finished all of Kimmy Schmidt, so they're like, what do we, what do we got here? We got all this. 
Got the video. Like, I've heard good things about BoJack, but I don't know if I'm really in the mood for it. Yeah, it's, it's, like, like a, yeah. New. it's an exploration of depression, so I don't know if yeah, I really I'm already wanna... pretty sad because I'm going to die in a couple days. Yeah. But it's also at this point that I had completely lost track of the timeline. So like, do they have one day left or six days left? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Julia breaks into the church at night to investigate. And meanwhile, her boyfriend goes to the much less dangerous route of going to the local diner and interviewing the proprietor of the bed and breakfast to ask her, who's, there was that girl in the picture that my girlfriend's been hallucinating. Tell me what that is. Uh, Julia finds a trapdoor in the bottom of the church, finds a cell of some kind where someone was taken prisoner and realizes this was where Samara's mom was being held while she was pregnant. Which by, is kind of like making this movie a kind of a dark Kimmy Schmidt. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. Dark so, Kimmy Schmidt is my favorite Marvel character from the 80s, by the way. Yeah. They were on to like grim and gritty of Kimmy Schmidt. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just give her the Phoenix Force and then. Even Thanks, I'm, bearded even, guy down front who. <laughs> honestly, laughed a little too hard when I said Phoenix Force. Honestly, the Phoenix Force joke was going to be gotten by a bearded guy. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I know. I'll see you after the show. <laughs> anyway, uh, Julia is one of those movie characters where she doesn't piece clues together so much as hallucinations pop in when she needs to to tell her what's going on. It is a, it's a video game. Like, cut scenes show up. Yeah. When she finds certain clues, a cut scene will show up that just appears that, that just tells her what was going on. Uh, she finds out there was this priest that did it, and that, that kept her hostage, and the priest went blind. Wait a minute. We know someone blind. That's right. That's right, we do. We do know someone. Stevie blind. Wonder. Stevie Wonder. <laughs> Next Who, stop. it turns out, has never been blind at all. Yep, it was all a ruse. All a ruse to get that sweet blind money. <laughs> that's, a, like, that's like a real conspiracy theory. Yeah, yeah, right? they're There's Stevie like... Wonder truthers. Yeah. And they... what about Ray Charles, though? Are they Ray Charles truthers? Oh, have I confused my blind guys? No, I'm just wondering. No, there's still, like, there's, I've seen like a video that people post where it's like, Stevie Wonder catches something that's like falling over. It's because of his radar sense and Stick taught him how to do that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Daredevil, 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 Daredevil. On Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> also in comic books, apparently. Uh, anyway, Julia goes to the priest and is like, hey... Or this, this ex, she doesn't know that Vincent D'Onofrio was the priest who kidnapped this woman. And she shows up and she's like, hey, that woman that went missing, that was uh, Samara's mom. And uh, it kind, she kind of figures out what's going on when he starts attacking her. Yeah. And he gets out a bat and says, she didn't take my sight, I did. I had visions too. I had visions of giving life to a child who would change the world. And she did. And she's running away from him. And, yeah, the movie uh, turns into a really quick, like, five-minute version of the movie Don't Breathe for a while. He turns out the lights, and the house seems to be just as bright with the lights off, which leads me either she drove up to the house and did not turn her headlights off. Oh, that's no good. The battery's going to be drained later on. Or, like, for a moment they were like, uh, originally we wanted this town to be above the Arctic Circle, so it's daytime (laughs) all the time, and then we changed that in the script. It's fine that it's still light all the time everywhere, right? She's running around. He's running after her. He starts yelling, you're the 12th person who tried to help Samara, but I've stopped all of them. No one got this far before, though. And uh, I should have just let... Evelyn, that's the pregnant woman, she wanted to kill Samara. I should have just let her. And Julia pushes him down a flight of stairs, and he is knocked out at the bottom of the flight. Dead, maybe. We don't know. Uh, She finds out she's... If I know horror movies, he is. (laughs) (laughs) There's no reason to check on him. (laughs) 
uh, she gets to a room full of bird cages. No, not the movie, The Birdcage. <laughs> that would have been. That would have been. Some more my boyfriend's VHS tapes. Uh, 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 sometimes you hurt me, Elliot. <laughs> and she starts getting a nosebleed, which I guess tells me that either the seven days are up or that allergies and her nasal passages are pretty dry. Uh, she finds there's a plastered over part of the wall, and she breaks it open, and there's a skeleton inside. Samara's skeleton. Bump, bump, bum. Now, was I remembering correctly? I thought they found Samara's body at the end of the first Ring movie. Yeah, I, it's, I, it's, I haven't seen it since it was in the, the theaters, but like it if certainly re- feels like they found Samara's body. <laughs> like, did, I didn't see Ring 2. Did they put her body in like a local history museum and then it got yeah. stolen in the middle of the night? <laughs> they put you it in a it. FedEx box and mailed it off at the end of the movie, and you're like, where did that go? It was actually in the and original. Then, well, and, then, wait, and then Tom Hanks and Castaway <laughs> picks it up? <laughs> that's, what, that's the end of the movie, when he delivers that one box. Oh. It's Samara's body. I don't know if you remember the advertising for this movie, but the tagline was, you thought they found her body. Don't worry about it. I feel like the tagline of the movie is, rings. Do you remember the first movies that well? Well, we don't either. (laughs) Anyway, finds the body, but Holt walks into the house, but the priest isn't lying at the bottom of the stairs. Uh Uh-oh, hits him with a bat. D'Onofrio attacks her. He shouts a lot of random religious malarkey. Cicadas are swarming all over the house. Suddenly, Julia's phone starts playing the ring video, and Julia starts flashing back to the clues in the video, and it's like, yeah, I remember. I got it. I've been watching the movie. Uh, And Samara tells Julia, don't leave me, in her her head, I guess. And uh, Samara comes out of the phone, heals D'Onofrio's eyes, and kills him. And it's like, wait a minute. Hold on. This seems like a very new power for Samara to suddenly have. (laughs) Yeah, she, it's like the end of Superman 2 when Superman takes the, like, super S off his and just throws that at the guy. Or when he kisses Lois Lane and she's like, I don't remember anything anymore. Yeah. Superman's just making, I mean, that's at least true of the Superman comics. Where in the old Superman comics, they'd, he'd be like, uh, I can always do this. And he does this, does the thing. Yeah. There's that one where, I guess it's called Superman's New Power, where he gains the power to shoot a miniature Superman out of his hand. <laughs> And the miniature Superman has all of his powers and gets really popular. And Superman starts getting really sad that he's not as popular anymore because the little miniature Superman... And, like, I don't remember that story ends. Maybe he eats the little Superman. I don't know. I don't remember. But anyway, it's kind of like that. Yeah, it's like, I got nothing to add to that. No, it's like, what, what powers does Samara have? Come on. Uh, they burn Samara's body, and they say, you're free, Samara. And that's the end of the movie. It's a horror movie, so it's... Closure is what you get, right? No, what you get is the same twist from the first movie where they're like, oh, you know, helping her out? No, that was a bad thing to do. Because Holt, he gets Gabriel's message that it was Braille, finally. He uh, looks up the mark on Julia's hand. He looks it up on a Braille translator that it takes him so long to type in. Julia has enough time to take a shower, peel some skin off of her hands, and then hock up a bunch of Samara's hair, which a bug crawls out of. And then it finds out, it turns out the Braille means rebirth. Uh-oh, suddenly, like some kind of Russian virus bot, it takes over all the contacts in Julia's email contacts and is just emailing them all the ring video. And as anyone would when they get a suspicious video from someone they know, they watch it immediately. They just like, download, they don't say like, what is this? Why, did you send me this? Or is this someone trying to, in Nigeria trying to get money from me? I don't understand. Did you get hacked? They all watch it and they all write back stuff like, 
Crazy video, what's that mean? Julia, what's this all about? Ill gross. Like, everybody's at their computers, I guess maybe their phones. They are not doing anything that they cannot stop and immediately watch a video that's been emailed to them. They're all so close to Julia that they would, they're going to take the time to watch it. Yeah. I got to tell you, friends of mine, will e- close friends, will email me things they've worked on, and it will take me forever to watch it. Or, or even if you start watching the video, if I feel like if I started watching the video, I would start it, and I'd be like, oh, there's no cat in this. Yeah. And I would stop it. I think maybe Samara started throwing in cats just yeah, to keep just people's like attention. just like a couple cute cats. I would literally, I would look at how long the video is, and I'd be like, mm, 25 seconds, no thanks. <laughs> drag, drag, drag. Yeah, just drag, drag, get drag, the gist drag. of it. And, and Samara calls and is like, uh, uh four days? Because you watched it so fast. <laughs> 20 years. Now, now they freed Samara because I guess her bones were holding her back, even though she seemed to have total control of time and space before yeah. this. And she's free to attack the whole world. And Julia wipes the mirror from, of steam, and Samara's there. And it made me think, like, so did she become Samara now? I believe that's the implication. Like, this is a kind of an evil version of the Santa Claus? Where, <laughs> yeah. like, she became Samara? This movie connects so many fictional universes... It's also in that uh, St. Elsewhere universe. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah, all happening in a kid's oh, head. Yeah. I'm hospital. so less scared of the ring knowing it's all inside that kid's yeah. head. Yeah. And, like, the ultimate evil in this is, like, a Rick roll that killed you. <laughs> that would be... What if it ended with never gonna give you up yeah. at the end of it? <laughs> never gonna kill this guy. Never gonna say goodbye. <laughs> anyway. No, good. Well done. No, uh, so... <laughs> So it's almost like when going into this movie, I was like, it's probably, probably going to update it, and it's going to be that, like the video's up on YouTube. That's, it, it's like, that doesn't kind of happen until the end of the movie. Yeah. The most obvious thing they could have done. But I guess at that point, you could have dealt with, actually, it would have been really great if you dealt with the ring is released on the video, not the movie. I'm sure the video's on, movie's on the YouTube. The ring too, is released on DVD. The ring is released on DVD. <laughs> no, the, uh, that, the, the Samara video is on YouTube, and people start, like, making memes and GIFs out of it. And it's like... Uh, and, there's, they, and it just says fake and gay underneath yeah, it. Yeah. There's, 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 when, and Samara's feelings are really hurt. Yeah. She's like, I can't kill anybody. She's like, now. I'm a human being. This, uh, this, I want, like, I want to see a still, uh, like a freeze frame of Samara with her head cocked to the side, and in big block sans serif letters, it just says, like, please tell me about your problems. I'm very interested. <laughs> when Bay says you only have seven days to live. <laughs> this could have been us, but... <laughs> this could have, yeah, this could have been us, but you a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> and then someone does the thing where, it, like, it pauses and then... Sunglasses animate down onto Samara's face. <laughs> Joint goes in her mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Popcorn, all that stuff. Samara drinking tea. It's all great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think I, if that had been the movie, I would have been like, yes, rings. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we should do our final judgments so we can actually get some time in to talk to the audience. To talk to the people. Uh, so the Shocktober categories. This Scare- totally scarifying. Sc- okay. Totally. Scarily, scarily bad good. No. <laughs> Totally snorifying. Guys, as a fan of the show... Or frighteningly funny. I think I speak for everyone when I say, the Shocktober shit's confusing. (laughs) (laughs) It is to me, too. It is to me, too. I'm not always sure what the line is between snorifying and frighteningly funny. And what is it frightening about how funny it is? It's just alliterative, Elliot. I mean, you're a guy who, in the beginning, your presentation for you said that Clark Kent was an example of alliteration, and I don't know if that's technically true, Dan. (laughs) That's the same sound from two different letters. 
it's the sound. It's not the letters. Sound is what makes alliteration. Fans, write in. Yeah. Write into it's the letters, not the sounds. Care of the Flophouse, one two three Elliott's Right Street. Dan's wrong, USA, twenty four hundred thousand. Uh, well, I understand the uh, categories perfectly. So why don't you go first? So I'm going to say this because you invented them. Totally snorifying. Okay, I'm going to go with you on snorifying because it was it, it's there were a lot of times when it felt like we were watching just like the direct to video version of the ring. Yeah. And, but, that, but they kind of teased you in the beginning with like a crazy movie where college professors are having like a symposium on the ring video, yeah. which would have been amazing. But Jordan, I think you might have had a different feeling. Yeah, no, I, I think I will, go, I will go slightly snorifying. I think there are worse, there are worse movies to watch if a, a podcast host hurts himself and you have to fill in for him. Yeah. There are worse. We've all been there. In that very specific set of circumstances. Yeah, you guys can relate, huh? Uh, but yeah, there are worse movies. There are a couple, a couple of good scares, a couple of uh, kind of cool, Name eerie Name one scenes. of the good scares. I liked yeah. when she was... Yep. No, no, say, and then I'll say my least favorite scare in the whole movie. I thought it was pretty creepy when she was locked in the tomb. I think I... I okay, I, I'll give you that. That's yeah. a scary situation to be in. Yeah. Much like I felt when I was a kid watching Nickelodeon's Are You Afraid of the Dark? Sure. I said, this is not scary, but if it happened to me, I'd be pretty scared. Yeah. Uh, there's one thing that I think is supposed to be a jump scare, I'm not sure, where it's very quiet for a while. Uh, as they go to the church, they go, that church isn't a church anymore. And they walk in, I think there's an AA meeting going on, which is still a thing they do in churches. So yeah, I yeah. Not very good evidence for not being like, a church anymore. I expected them to go, you know, it's not a church anymore, and they go in and it's an Arby's. <laughs> <laughs> I would... Like, that is clearly this- not a church, but the AA meeting, yeah. right, it's still but, uh, ambiguous. They, it's very I mean, quiet. an Arby's is a kind of church. <laughs> yeah, it's a church of roast beef. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, they go in, it's very quiet, and then suddenly you hear... And it's the sound of an umbrella being opened outside. Yeah. And I was like, was that supposed to unnerve me? Like, that's the lamest jump scare. Like, no, it's an umbrella. It's uh, raining out. <laughs> Thank you, Elliot. Isn't that scary? Ooh. Your uh, hair's going to get frizzy. <laughs> you didn't bring a raincoat. Your, your shoes are suede. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> You put suede protector on it, but you properly sprayed it. Um, this is a very specific ghost. <laughs> Make sure to coat thoroughly next time. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my favor. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my friend's favor. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my favor. I'm Judge John Hodgman. You're hearing the voices of real litigants, real people who have submitted disputes to my internet court at the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I hear their cases. I ask them questions. They're good ones. And then I tell them who's right and who's wrong. Thanks to Judge John Hodgman's ruling, my dad has been forced to retire one of the worst dad jokes of all time. Instead of cutting his own hair with a flowbie, my husband has his hair cut professionally. I have to join a community theater group. And my wife has stopped bringing home wild animals. It's the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Find it every Wednesday at MaximumFun.org or wherever you download podcasts. Thanks, Judge John Hodgman. Hey, you, with the headphones. Just between you and me, the MaxFun store just got some of that sweet, sweet new merchant stock. You know, that merch from your favorite MaxFun shows? Could be posters, tote bags, shirts, stickers, patches, aprons. We got it all. Well, we got a lot. Point is, there's some new stuff. Go to maxfunstore.com. 
Hey, it's Dan here, flying solo again. Uh, thanks for listening to our live episode. We had a lot of fun in L.A. Um, we had a lot of fun with Jordan Morris. We were sad that, of course, Stuart couldn't make it there. But we're hoping to have a lot of fun with him in Toronto. Um, we got a few ads for you. Um, the first is for ZipRecruiter. What if hiring could be easier, more streamlined, and less time-consuming? Well, with ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to over 100 job boards with just one click. And ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on the right candidates finding you. It finds them by actively notifying qualified candidates about your job. No wonder 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And right now, our listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Flophouse. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Flophouse. So that's a great message for all the business owners out there, people who are not me, because I could never understand anything about business if you explained it to me like a child for three days running. But I hope that it's useful to you. Uh, we're also sponsored by Blue Apron. They're, uh, for less than $10 per person per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. Uh, this week, or not this week, but upcoming, what do we got? Now listen to this. We got cheesy chicken and black bean enchiladas with salsa verde. That's green salsa, for those of you who don't understand Spanish. We got shrimp marinara with spaghetti, spinach, and parsley. Maple gravy smothered pork chops with stewed collard greens and sweet potatoes. I like anything that's got smothered in it. You got uh, spiced cauliflower and pepper with jasmine rice and cilantro yogurt sauce. It all sounds great. Check out this week's menu and get $30 off your first meal with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash flophouse. That's blueapron.com slash flophouse. It sounded so delicious that Archie jumped up on the table as if to say, mm mm mm, give me some of that sweet blue apron treat. I don't, I don't know if that's a good slogan. Sweet blue apron treat. It just. It felt right in the moment because it rhymed, but it doesn't actually, I don't know. Anyway, moving on, we got a couple of Jumbotrons out uh, this week, and I dearly hope that the people who bought these Jumbotrons are still getting their money's worth and people didn't turn off the radio uh, radio machine. Let's call, it, let's call your phone a radio machine, guys. Let's get that started. Uh, didn't turn off the podcast as soon as they heard my voice alone doing ads. But uh, we can only hope. And the first Jumbotron is uh, for the Smash Fiction Podcast. The Smash Fiction Podcast settles the unsettleable. When beloved, when beloved fictional characters clash, which one will win? Smash Fiction is a comedy podcast where a rotating cast of geeks debate on behalf of their chosen characters and an impartial judge decides the winner. Doctor Strange versus Voldemort. Mal Reynolds versus Han Solo. A yearly Nick Cage four-way cage mash inspired by our favorite movie podcast. Plus, every month we do an ongoing RPG where we play fictional characters in an epic crossover adventure. So that's Smash Fiction. And it's uh, apparently run by a rotating cast of geeks. I don't, they don't specify whether this is a film geek or whether they are biting the heads off chickens in the middle of their podcast. The only way you can figure that out is by listening. And the second message is for Charlene, the Blade of Honor. And it's from Rosie and Chris, soon-to-be-same-last-name-withheld. 
Dearest Charlene, thank you for being our unicorn, but not the way kids these days mean it. I really was wondering, so thanks for the clarification. Uh, you made Rosie's hen party frightfully fun, and will keep the wedding from becoming totally scarifying or totally snorifying. Hopefully soon we can all live on a corgi ranch together. Well, I mean, if uh, I mean if you're the unicorn, I mean you're confusing what kind of unicorn it is because now you want to live on a corgi ranch together. Anyway, going on, we promise not to get divorced, as that would be for the drobs. Love you. I don't know. The word drobs, I've been taught a new term today. I'll look that up. But while I look that up, you go back to listening to the Flophouse live in Los Angeles. So now's when we should move on to uh, talk to the audience. There's two microphones, I think, set up. There's I don't, two. Yeah, there's yeah. Uh, one on each Was side the, of the theater. Alt theater. <laughs> Thank you for helping me. You seem so unsure of the words. Uh, so if people have questions, they can come up to the microphones. We'll try and get as many as we can. We're we going to try to get some in. You'll have to cut it off at some point because, uh, unfortunately, we ran long. We just don't have a lot of time for things that'll take time up. We don't have time for filler. Yeah. Let's get straight to the questions. We just don't have time for anything other than questions. Let's take a question, perhaps a suggestion, an interjection, maybe a question. That's right, I said questions twice. Because your questions are awfully nice, and I appreciate your being here in Los Angeles. Nothing I can think of rhymes with Los Angeles, except perhaps the composer Vangelis that rhymes with Los Angeles. Blade Runner 2049 in theaters now. A sequel to Blade Runner, which Vangelis did the music for. Okay. That's the way that I explain right. that reach. All right. Thanks, guys. Uh, Thank you. But really, really, yeah, we should move on to the second part of the song. No, no, no. That's right, it's no, a cycle. No. It goes on too long. <laughs> hey, everybody, remember when I said that we didn't have time for a lot of stuff? Well, I was right. Tonight, don't fight. Turn on the lights. Or, Spider-Man, turn off the dark. <laughs> Some kind of alarm went off. <laughs> All right, that I'm. I'm. Uh, Sam, are you okay? You're, uh, are you're we, are we doing this now? Or okay. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna do questions now because uh, it's question time for Elliot. the clubhouse so tonight. What, what Elliot would normally say at this point is uh, just uh, think about your question before you ask it. Think, would I care about this if it's not me asking it? And then if the answer is no, then don't ask that question. That's my abbreviated version yeah, of the thank, speech. Dan, that thank you for being the bad cop tonight. Yeah. Let's uh, give Dan a hand. So, sir, you can go. <laughs> Hi, you I'm better Scott. go before um, I start singing again. Hi, I'm Scott. I just have a question. Guys, have I told you about Baby Seer of the Lost Legend? Have you told us what? Have I told you about Baby Seer of the Lost Legend? Babies of the Secret of the Lost Legend, the yes. dinosaur movie, Baby yeah. Secret of the Lost Legend. Just curious. Did you hear what Dan said earlier? <laughs> Hey, Jordan, don't question shame people. But no, thank you. I'm very familiar with that movie. I saw it as a kid, and I do not remember much of what happens in it. I feel like we should go back and forth, because uh, there's a mic over here, too. So Yeah, let's sure. go to the other side. Hi, this is uh, Daniel, last name withheld. Uh, so Jordan was a great uh, co-host, uh, fill-in host tonight. I was but? <laughs> I hear a butt coming. Uh, 
I was wondering if you could pick any person to be your, your guest co-host uh, for the Flophouse, uh, who would you pick? Oh, boy. Well, you, everyone knows I'm mad about Mads. Mads Mikkelsen, that is. And I feel like he'd have a lot of great stories about his Hagar the Horrible movie Valhalla Rising. Uh, I would think I, I think I would pick someone that Elliot knows personally and has worked with, uh, Joel Hodgson. Oh, yeah. He'd the godfather of bad movie We owe him talk. a huge debt. Yeah. which we will never be able to repay. Or yeah. we'll try to. Uh, maybe I'll ask him sometime. Yeah, why not? I'm promising nothing. <laughs> uh, let's move on. Hi, thanks. my name is Ed, last name withheld. Hi, thanks um, for coming. If the three of you were on a tour of Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory, in yeah. what uh, horrible yet ironic way would you be killed? <laughs> That's a good question. That's a good question. That, that question was actually from my daughter, Charlotte, who is not able to come tonight, so she asked me to ask you. Hmm. So, okay. Does, is there some sort of sadness candy that exists? It's like a saltwater tear taffy, maybe? Yeah. That's, you, you fall in a big vat of it, and you're like, I'm drowning in my own tears yeah. and, and these. That seems, that seems appropriate. Uh, I think... Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Do they make fried chicken at Willy Wonka's factory? <laughs> Maybe. It's like a Cadbury egg. I mean, no. I mean, that's not the same thing at all. <laughs> here, I'm here to buy a car. Here's a shoe. <laughs> <laughs> They're both modes of transportation. <laughs> I think probably there'd be something involving talking a lot. Uh, yeah, Jawbreaker, nice. Yeah, I'd be watching the movie Jawbreaker. <laughs> listening to the Judas Priest song, Jawbreaker. And my jaw would get broken. Uh, Jordan, what about you? Uh, I would get uh, killed by a bullet meant for Stuart. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So heroic. Yeah, one of those Willy Wonka snipers is yeah. uh, aiming for Stuart, and then I walk in front. No, I just imagine Oompa Loompas with sniper rifles strapped to their back. I have never seen this movie. to the ground to, where they get a good shot. Uh, sir, you in the hat. <laughs> the person Hello. who's at the microphone. <laughs> my name is Michael, last name with help. Hello, Michael. Hello. Uh, my question is, with Jordan here instead of Stuart, how would that change the order you'd be in the Flophouse Human Centipede? <laughs> oh, good question. How, how would, would that you... change the Flophouse Human Centipede? Because usually question? the order is you in the middle. Yeah. I think Stuart's in the back, and I'm in the front. Uh, I think that you, yeah, I think you called front. Which... Yeah, you better believe I called front. <laughs> you better like believe. We have a little talk about that. Um, the way you just. You snossed and you lost, Dan. Swept in. Uh, uh, I think, Jordan, you, uh, do you think, would Dan, would you get bumped up to middle then? No, you're still in the middle. <laughs> would you get bumped back to back? I don't know that it would change it too much. No, unless... I think, yeah, I'm sorry, Jordan. I'm afraid that you're cursed. <laughs> the... Hey going to be, I'm just going to try and make the best of these seven days. I'm uh, going to try and finish BoJack, of course. Yeah. Uh, it's, I feel like there's no winner in a human centipede. No, yeah. It's just like someone who loses a little less. <laughs> and that's the front. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, hi there. Hey, Castleton shirt. Cool. Nice. Yeah. yeah. You are Castleton the, snob. You are, you are the third and fourth people ever in me wearing this shirt who have gotten that, so thank you. Um, uh, you're talking to somebody who'd never pulled the trigger on buying a Castleton shirt, but certainly thought about it a lot. Yeah. It's, it's I have drunkenly Googled Castleton shirt as well. 
but then I'm like, can a man have too much pussy? <laughs> this is, uh, for anyone not familiar with it, uh, it's a shirt that was in the Time Chasers episode of Mystery Science Theater 2000. Great episode, solid, wonderful episode. Yes. My question's not about that. Uh, in, the, in the last New York Live show, Elliot, you were asked what New York movie was most representative of your time in New York, and now that you live in L.A., I was wondering so far what L.A. movie is best representative of your time in L.A. Interesting. That's, it's hard to pick a representative movie because I've only been here a couple months, so I guess Cobra. Yeah. <laughs> Look, the way I work is dirty, but I get results, and I recently took down an axe murder cult. <laughs> That was trying to kill Brigitte Nielsen. So, yeah. Actually, uh, I think, to be honest, probably... All I can think about is Cobra, to be honest. So that's why I shouldn't have mentioned it. I mean, that's it. just your, the way you live is all you can think about is Cobra. Because I like to eat cold pizza by cutting it up with a pair of scissors, <laughs> which he does in Cobra. <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like that's a good answer, Yeah, right? okay, sure. Yeah, thanks. I'll think about a better one. Next time we do an L.A. show, ask me again. <laughs> Over here. Hey, my name is Nico. Last name withheld. Uh, so there's Case. these. Sorry. What? I was playing uh, Elliot's role of making up last names. For he had people. already started talking. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> and you were being very rude. I'm sorry. And I want you to apologize to our guest. No, go on. I'm sorry. That's okay. Case is a better last name than my real last name. But uh, <laughs> so they're making these, uh, I guess, dark universe reboots of the classic universe. They're films. sure trying to. They're, yeah, no, they're putting and their God best is doing forth. his best to stop them. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I was just curious, what is a sort of like classic monster that you think either hasn't gotten its due or hasn't had a movie at all made about it that you think there should be in the mm. pantheon of monsters? Mm. Of the universals particularly? or I guess I would say like more broadly. You know, I mean like, uh, yeah, I mean a reboot of the universal movies or just any. Like a Wendigo or a Golem. I mean, Wendigo is never real. I mean... Has got its due. At Wendigo, there was that movie with the kid from Malcolm in the middle in it years ago. And Golem, there haven't been a good Golem movie since the 1920s. Uh, It's pretty good. But I think I'm probably going to say, and this will be controversial, Gilman (laughs) from the the Creature from the Black Lagoon movies. Because even the original movies are not very good. (laughs) And that creature design is so sharp. Like it's What? I haven't seen it yet. Thanks for ruining it for me. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know it was a soft reboot of the Gilman series. I do want to see Shape of Water. But, uh, okay, then maybe that's it. I'll come up with a different one. Dan, you answer. Uh, I mean, I already... I mean, he said when to go, and that's what I was going to say anyway. But Really? Yeah. All right. But, uh, well, just because it's not a thing that there's been, like, a good movie about. There was that Larry Fessenden movie, I think it was. Uh, but... I'd say Wendigo. <laughs> yeah, let's call the whole Winnebago. thing off. But I, that I, movie Wendigo Man about the guy who's swearing in the Wendigo video. I, I would like to see another um, Gilman movie too because like I was thinking that like the funny thing to me about watching Monster Squad is at the end how like every other monster has like a particular way that you have to kill them, and then like the Gilman they just like blast him with a shotgun. They just shoot him because he's the everyman. Yeah, you know you can kill him a normal way. Yeah, exactly. And then the fat kid gets to say my name is Horace. That's true. I'm just remembering. No, tell us Monster more about Squad. Monster Squad. Yeah, Wolfman well, has Nards. We Wolfman all remember has it. Nards. Yeah. <laughs> Let uh, me begin by saying that Wolfman has something that you might not expect him to have, despite having the word man in his name. <laughs> Over here again. Hi. Oh, whoa, that's loud. I'm so sorry. Um, my name is Brennan, last name withheld. And since it's Shocktober, I thought I would ask. Very well what, done. <laughs> yes. 
What is the dumbest horror movie that actually scared you at any point during the movie? Oh, Troll 2. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when I was a kid, Troll 2 was genuinely scary to me. With stick fingers. Yeah. Well, it's the part where he's talking to his grandfather, and he goes, I was talking to Grandpa. And they go, Grandpa's not there, and he looks, and the chair's empty. When I was a kid, that scared the shit out of me. <laughs> I couldn't watch the rest of the movie for a long time. Well, it, it also has like the bleakest ending. Like they, they go home and like the, you think everything is all right, and like the kid goes upstairs or whatever, and like the shower is going, and like the parents have and turned it's Patrick into Patrick Duffy, Green Goo. <laughs> yeah, it's Green Goo. But also the idea that that kid, uh, I feel so bad for the kid in that movie because the grandpa is just yelling at him to take care of things, and he's a kid, and grandpa's <laughs> a ghost with magic powers. Yeah. And he's like, go blow up all those trolls. I'm disappointed in you, grandson. It's yeah. like, oh, so much going on in that movie. And I had to have no, my mom uh, take me out of Tremors. <laughs> <laughs> I really admire that your mom took you to Tremors. Yeah. I think I was just afraid of the vaginal imagery. <laughs> yeah. I just, considering that when I wanted to see Fern Gully, my mom said, we are not going to see that. <laughs> and I said, why not, mom? And she goes, I don't want to see that. <laughs> And it was the I first don't approve of rapping <laughs> It was the first time that I was like, wait, parents can do that? <laughs> <laughs> they can just say no to movies? Uh, you're looking at me for something? Uh, Leadership I feel... in this time of crisis. <laughs> I, when I saw, even, even watching the Mystery Science Theater version of this, Man of the Hands of Fate disturbed yeah. me. It feels like a snuff film. Because, yeah, because as Joel, uh, Joel says in it, or Crow says in it, I think, Every frame looks like someone's last known photograph. Yeah. <laughs> and there's something about there's something about really badly made movies that can capture this weirdness and sense of something wrong with the world that good movies can't. Yeah. But that would yeah, that'd be my answer. Okay, that's a good answer. Yeah. What thank side you. are we Oh, thank you. What side are we that side? Yes, side. Uh, hey there, I'm Todd, last name with Todd. Hello. Um, so, another Shocktober question. So, I was thinking about Pet Cemetery and how the bit where Mrs. Star Trek is remembering her sister, and that is by far the most terrifying part of that movie for me. What other movies, like, are there where the most memorable or the most terrifying moment is not the main conceit of the movie? Like, because I, I don't remember mm. much else about that movie. I know there's something about a dead baby, but, God, the neck <laughs> is, is so scary. The back, something, I don't know, terrifying moment. Not I'm, main conceit. That's I'm, it. I mean, I kind of feel like my answer to the last question works. That, like, Troll 2, the trolls were not scary. It was this guy's relationship with his grandfather. <laughs> well, most, that was the most memorable thing. Oh, there's, there's, a, there's a scene in, is it, oh, what movie is it? It's not The Crazies. There's, this, there's some horror movie where someone needs to use a phone, and the person who's, who's, is so crazy that they have to borrow a phone, they borrow a phone from. And it's like, this is... Get out of this scene. This is really frightening. <laughs> Might have been sisters or something. I don't remember. Uh, there's a scene uh, in The Exorcist okay. where, like, the, the devil stuff, fine. It's scary enough. But I get it. He's wearing Prada. <laughs> the part that really scared me is there's a part where they take Reagan to get tests. And there's, like, a machine that, like, makes, like, a ka-chunk, 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 ka-chunk. And I'm, like, not sure what it does. But she's, like, getting, like, a spinal tap or something. And that was the thing that made me like go like I can't watch this. <laughs> so that would be my answer. I don't like any movie where people buy plane tickets last minute. <laughs> <laughs> because like how expensive must that be to just walk up to the counter? And you're gambling that they even have seats yes! available. So like all home alone movies. <laughs> like being left at home 
Because I figure I can, like, rig up some traps, okay? <laughs> but the thought of, like, having to buy a plane ticket last minute. Yeah, now I'm, now I'm stressed out just thinking about it. <laughs> On this side. Uh, uh, so I'm Mandy, last name withheld. And my friend throughout most of today has been making fun of me, saying that I look like the best friend of an 80s movie. Yeah, I'll buy that. Yeah, straw That's hat. Very, yeah. Like very a, kind of a Hawaiian-type shirt knotted at the, at the midsection. Yeah, okay. So and I some w- sort of 1940s carnival barker hat? <laughs> There's a lot of overlap, yeah. Can I get a ride back to Silver Lake, by the way? <laughs> I think I'm... So local humor. Local yeah, reference, yeah. <laughs> right. uh, so I wanted to ask... What, or Portland, sorry. What makes a good best friend in a movie? And what would you want out of your, in your movie, what would your 80s best friend be? What mm-hmm. makes a best fr- good best friend in a movie? Well, well, that you eventually end up with them. Yeah. Or if they're played by Judy Greer, that's a good yeah, sign. Yeah, she, she does a very good best friend in movies. Um, yeah, it's good to have a best friend who you wish had a little more to do. Yeah. <laughs> that's why. Yeah, a best friend who doesn't really have much of a job and is available at all hours of the night yeah. to, uh, to help you out with stuff. Um, and my best friend in an 80s movie, if I wasn't the best friend, which I probably would be... <laughs> But my best friend would probably be like, I don't know, like a talking robot dog with magic powers. <laughs> and we'd end up together at the end. Uh, I, I feel like I have, I have fantasy best friends, and through circumstances, I got to be on stage with two of them. Aww. That's right. Stuff you should know. <laughs> <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> Smoke. <laughs> ah, that's a fine podcast, though. It is good. They do a good job. This is, right. The name of this podcast should be like, Stuff you, Is Not Real. <laughs> Are you looking at me for... What was the last part of the question? Who what's, you would want? What's your, what's, your 80, what's your best friend in your 80s movie going to be like for I, you? I would just want Boof from Teen Wolf, basically. Yeah, because yeah. Boof's the best 80s best friend. Yeah. I mean, could, could someone be Boof from Teen Wolf? And I could just... <laughs> is, any, is Boof from Teen Wolf in the audience? <laughs> What are her characteristics? She puts up with the best friend even though he's a jerk to her. Yeah. Uh, she doesn't like him because he's a werewolf. She likes him for who he is, even though he's a jerk to her. She's more attractive than the big romantic lead. Yeah. She wears a lot of cute sweaters. Um, just because, yeah. you know, just everyday sense of style on a budget. That's you know? what I'm looking <laughs> Apparently that's what I'm looking for. I should just put that in an ad. I like, think, yeah. Yeah. Look at... M- look, M- M4B, <laughs> man for boof. Yeah. <laughs> Seeking a no-drama boof. Yeah. Me, Emmy-winning comedy writer. You, boof. <laughs> <laughs> and people across America being like, uh, what, is, what does this mean? Like, honey, can you come here? Look at <laughs> like, this ad. In the gay what subculture, is, what is a boof? Because <laughs> I don't know if I'm it or not. Yeah. It does, that does sound like a subcategory on Grindr. <laughs> yeah. Hot local boofs. <laughs> Uh, all right, we should keep it moving because I think we might actually get through everyone. Yeah, We've got three people. So. If you've got another question, write it in to us and say, yes, I was please. at your show and I didn't get to ask a question. And maybe we'll answer it. I don't know how it works. Sir, you've got a question? Hi, uh, Derek, last name I held. Hello. Hello. Uh, I think I saw Nightmare on Elm Street when I was about seven uh, just because my aunt let us. But my question was, what movie did you see that you probably shouldn't have seen at a young age, either due to your own sneakiness or just complete parental neglect? I, think, I believe I've told this story before on the podcast. When I was, I think, eight years old, my dad said, hey, my friend let me Robocop. He says it's really cool. <laughs> Let's watch it. And when ED-209 shot that guy and his chest exploded, 
I put my hands in front of my eyes, and then I slowly pulled my hands down. Uh, it's movies that we shouldn't have seen at a young age. Yeah, Is yeah. That um, well, I think I told it actually on the podcast before that my brothers, like I have two older brothers, one's 10 years older than me, one's 13 years older than me, so they like to torture me, and they like, they pulled all the curtains closed in the living room, made it as dark as possible, and forced me to watch Poltergeist and Aliens. Oh. So, I mean, this is a lot better than the other thing that they would do, which is put a pillow over my head <laughs> until it was and very... And try to kill you. Until it was very close like, to me being All right, dead. Dan, we're Toby Hooper completists. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my parents are big Caligula heads. Next question. Oh, okay, well... They were like, look at this amazing cast. <laughs> you don't think they'll fuck, but did they do? It was a different time. It was the 70s. They were all on blow. Yeah. Um, hi, guys. I'm Mary-Kate. Uh, there's something that the Flop House has taught me. Actually, I've probably always known this, but uh, when a movie starts with, you know, my mother always told me this story or mm-hmm. prophecy foretells of. So, like, what are your other, like, rules for, like, bad movie, when something happens in a movie and you're like, oh, oh no, it's going to be like this. Like, what is your bad movie signifiers like that? Hmm. Oh, I just want to say, Toby Hooper wrote Alien. That was why I made that Toby Hooper. <laughs> he did not write Alien. Did he not? Dan O'Bannon. Dan O'Bannon. Huh. Anyway. <laughs> and so I also think you said Aliens. I said, a- really? No, I'm sorry. You're all over the map. But let's Fuck, answer this man. question. Uh, I mean, it's hard to top when there's like a prophecy of some kind in a movie. Anytime a movie has a prophecy in it, I'm like, well, you just removed the agency of all the characters in the movie, and I kind of don't care anymore. So anytime there's like, there's a legend, da-da-da-da-da, or a prophecy foretells, blah-blah-blah-blah, you know, like, it turns out you're not, a, you're not a person who, through hard work and circumstance, became a hero. Your mom is an alien, and that's why, and you were, and you were destined to do this. I don't like it. Uh, this is not exactly the answer to this question, but it it's more like just something that I don't like in movies. But any comedy that seems built around the idea of some misunderstanding ruining someone's life slowly, <laughs> like any movie, like that, just like that's not funny to me. It's just, <laughs> it's just like ha, 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 they're desperately unhappy and everything's going wrong. <laughs> I just can't take it. I can't take that in a movie. I would have trouble with that in sitcoms. Yeah. Like, I'd be watching the moment where, like, somebody walks in on somebody and it looks like they're cheating on them or something. Yeah. Like, they're making out with another girl. I'd be like, I know this is going to be explained away in ten minutes, but I don't like it. Like, I don't like this feeling of, like, yeah. tension and embarrassment and, yeah. Yeah. I'm so. an anxious person is basically what that comes down to. Yeah. Uh, the airline ticket thing. Again, can't handle it. Can't handle it. Don't want to see it. Don't want to see it. <laughs> Thank you. All right. And I'll work. go to that. T- and the- There's oh, nobody there. So no we'll go back to this so microphone. Hello. Uh, my name's Johan. Um, when I was six or seven and when I used to live here in L.A., my mom, my mom took me to watch Terminator 3 in the theater. Um, Wait, how old were you when Terminator 3 came out? I don't, I don't recall. I was, I was young and I still lived in L.A., which means that I was at least at most eight Okay, um, well, you made me feel like an old man, so thanks. I, and I know it was T3 because I, I believe I was in lady. college when that movie came out. Oh, I'm in college now. Should I drop out of college? I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so ha- did you ever watch a movie young? I think someone alluded to this. Um, I was traumatized by that movie. Like, I would open the curtain to make sure there wasn't a Terminator. I would walk away from cars that were parked because she makes one come alive. There's a scene, right? Um, has there been a movie that you watched maybe too young that like, traumatized you for, like, months, maybe yeah, traumatized. That still happens to me. Like, oh. I'll be, like there's, nothing, the, there's nothing scarier to me than the idea that 
I'm going to suddenly turn and there's someone standing there looking in a window at me. Mm-hmm. Or like, <laughs> if I'm lying in bed, this especially happens if, if my family for whatever reason is out of town or I'm out of town. I'm lying in bed. The scariest thing I can think of is that someone's just going to walk through a doorway and that I don't expect to be there. It frightens me so much. And I lie there thinking about just that. So like any, so I went to see, so some other recently, and there's so many scenes in that where she'll like turn on the light and there's somebody outside looking at her through a window. And I'm like, oh God, oh, that's, <laughs> and so that's been happening to me a lot lately where I go around my house at night, just making sure the doors are locked and I look away from the windows. Cause if there's a creepy guy looking at me through the window, I don't want to know about it. <laughs> Don't want to see it. Don't want to know about it. Yeah, this isn't a this isn't a childhood thing either. But like, I watched uh, Lights Out, the short that the movie Lights Out was based on. Okay, bragging. I did not. <laughs> I saw the full length movie Lights Out, and I was like, oh, this is kind of boring. I don't know, whatever. But the short is like such a simple premise, like a monster that just comes when the lights are out, and. After that, like that evening, I was like, I was scared of the dark again. <laughs> I was walking around just like, all right, I'm in this room. Got to turn the light on. All right. Now, before I get over this other, I got to turn the light on over here before I turn the other one light on. <laughs> like I'm staggering my lights across the way going to bed and kind of thinking about sleeping with the lights on a little bit. <laughs> but, so that one got me. Gordon? I just fear a future where all restaurants are Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> That would be sad. Demolition, man. Yeah, yeah. it'd be tough. Thank you. It would solve our nation's dangerous gordita shortage. But... <laughs> All right, last question this of the This is evening. the last question. A lot of pressure. A yeah. lot of pressure. I know. Big pressure. Uh, my name is Cruz Flores, middle name withheld. Oh, Cruz. Um, uh, yes, hi. I know your brother, too. Um, <laughs> you've done a lot of, you've watched a lot of movies, and most of them have been either terrible or forgettable, but have you ever either watched a Flophouse movie again a second time or even just thought about it and had good feelings about it that more than you thought you would? I'll tell you this. The sappy answer is, every time I think about these movies, I have good feelings because it reminds me of hanging out with my friends, <laughs> talking, to the, talking to movies, uh, talking to movies, talking about movies. <laughs> but uh, otherwise, no. Dan? <laughs> Wait, what did you say? said otherwise no i think about like oh it's fun when i say that with dan stewart but it's i don't know that there's any of the movies reference i'm like you know what on second thought <laughs> 10,000 bc had some good stuff going on in it uh i know who killed me i know a good movie <laughs> yeah i think that maybe we should just end on that heartwarming note that you just gave about friendship because uh i can't think of one either because to me you know the flop house isn't just about movies it's about three best buds Hanging out is inseparable. Together forever. Where one goes, all three go. Yeah. Always together, never ever apart. <laughs> Just you and me and. <laughs> no, but that's, yeah, it's, it's all, yeah. <laughs> good bit. Good bit, yeah, thanks. Very good bit. Kind of, kind of petered out at the end, you know. Yeah. No, I thought it was great. I thought it was great. You did great. Oh, thanks, buddy. Uh, so <laughs> that's it. I mean, that's what we do. Well, let's let's have kind of a bigger ending. That's than that. what we do. Yeah, that's what we do. That's the way it works, folks. Uh, and so, Dan. Yeah. For the flop house, who have we been? All right. Well, I was going to thank everyone for coming out because it's very special to be here on the West Coast for the first time. Some would say the best coast. Pander, pander, and, pander, pander, pander. 
For the Flophouse, I've been Dan McCoy. I've been Elliot Kalin. I'm Jordan Morris filling in for Stuart Wellington. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here, everybody. Thank you. We really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. So, Dan, usually we start off by doing our little intro feely, where you yeah. announce what the movie is, and then I say something, or Stuart says something, or in this case, Jordan. Yeah. Thanks for explaining. Thanks for mansplaining my podcast <laughs> to me, Elliot. I just want to make sure you understand these things. Hey, <sighs> you seem tense. This, this whole night has taken a turn I don't care for. <laughs> also, I don't like the implication that I'll have to say something. <laughs> Very fair. All right. Oh, wait, we got to delay again because Dan has to open a thing. Once it was a phone, now it's a bottle. What's it going to be next time? A chrysalis that has formed around him? Delicious. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.